Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We will be reading verses 7 through 12 this evening. The Word of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Let us pray. Our great Lord and God, sovereign, eternal King, we praise you, O great God of wonders, because you have set your love upon us. Lord, this is a great truth that is beyond our comprehension, O Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would allow this truth to indwell within our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we may be filled with love for one another. Lord, we pray that you would work this great truth of this passage into our hearts so that we might love one another just as you have loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we come to a great text in which we behold the love of God manifest. The Apostle John in this passage exposes the nature of the love of God. We see love defined and explained. And we see what it means for God's love to be manifest among men. God sent the Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in this, God demonstrated His love for us. As God has given us the perfect demonstration of His love, as He has loved us so much with such a great love, so also ought we to love one another as those who belong to Christ, as those who are united to Him. And thus, when we show love to others, we demonstrate the character of God as God is love. In the first six verses of this chapter, the Apostle John exhorted the Christians to whom he was writing not to believe every spirit, but to test the spirits. In verses 2 and 3, he said that they would know the Spirit of God by those who confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Those who do not confess Jesus are not of God. Believers and unbelievers are distinguished by their confession and by their teaching. Believers confess Jesus Christ, while unbelievers do not confess Him. As he notes in verses 5 and 6, those who are of the world hear those of the world, while those who are from God hear those who are of God. 
But the confession is not the only thing that distinguishes those from the world, from those who are of God. Believers are also marked by their love for one another. As we read in our text this evening, in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And this is the first great point of this text. Believers are called to love one another because love is from God and because God is love. Love is an attribute of the triune God. Love is essential to his nature and to his character. And those who are Christians, those who possess the spirit of God, are marked by his love. Whoever demonstrates the love of God demonstrates that he has been born of God, that he knows him. Anyone who does not show this love reveals that he does not know God because God is love. John urges his brothers and sisters in Christ, beloved as he calls them, to love one another. And this is something that is absolutely essential to all Christian behavior, to all Christian action. Believers are called to love one another. We are to show the love of Christ to each other and to treat each other with the affection that's due to those who are united to Christ. But why do we do this? Why do we love one another? We love one another because love is from God. We are to reflect the love of God because we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. As he says, let us love one another, for love is from God. As Christians, we are those who are united with Jesus Christ. We are those who possess his spirit. And thus, this truth, this love of God, will be manifest in our lives if we are believers. We must, therefore, display the character of our Lord by the power of his Holy Spirit. We must love one another because love is from God. And as he says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. We love one another because we have been born of God. Those who have been born of God have been born by the Spirit of God. As Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And as those who have been born again by the Spirit, we will bear the fruits of the Spirit. As we read in Galatians 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is is love. If the Holy Spirit truly resides in our hearts, then we will bear the love that comes only from Him. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. But as we see in verse 8, the opposite is also true. Whoever does not love does not know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Anyone who does not demonstrate love 
toward others reveals that they do not know God. They do not have a salvific knowledge of Jesus Christ. They do not know the Savior. Those who do not have a loving attitude toward others in general and toward believers in particular demonstrate that they do not know God. They demonstrate by their lack of love that they have not been born from above. They have not been born again. And as they do not bear the fruit of the Spirit, they reveal that they do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. But the reason why John gives for why this is the case, why these people who do not love do not know God, is because God Himself is love. If anyone does not show love, then that reveals that they do not know the God who is Himself love. And this is a very profound point. Love is characteristic of God. Love is an essential attribute of His nature. It is who He is. And those who are possessed by the Spirit of God will demonstrate His love as the fruit of the Spirit's presence in their lives. But those who do not have the Holy Spirit cannot bear that fruit of the Spirit, which is love. Now, what does the phrase, God is love, mean? This is something that has been misunderstood by many. Many almost seem to reverse the term and take it to mean that love is God or that any form of human affection or acceptance or unity is somehow divine. And that is not what the text means. There is a very great distinction between human conceptions of love and God's love as revealed in Scripture. The phrase God is love does not mean that any human affection or love comes from God and is therefore divine. No, God Himself defines what love is. What this passage means is that God in Himself, God revealed in Scripture, the triune God of the Bible, is the one who defines what love is. The God is the Bible of the Bible is the one who defines love because He is love. We do not define what love is. God does. But as this is what He is saying here, what God is love means, what does that divine love look like? Where do we see a picture of God's love? It may seem very nebulous and hazy to say God is love until we see an example of what this means. And thus John gives us a picture of God's love in verse 9, where he writes, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is the second point of this text. God reveals the nature of His love by sending His Son for our salvation. This is what divine love looks like. God's love was manifest in His sending His only begotten Son into the world for our redemption and for our salvation. In the coming of Christ, we see the love of God revealed. 
God's love is revealed in Christ in His cross. God's love is revealed in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As He says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us. And this is very reminiscent of John's words in his Gospel in chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In Christ, God's love was made manifest among us. In each of God's great actions, He manifests His attributes. In creation, God displayed His power and His majesty and His glory. As we read in Romans 1, verse 20, for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Likewise, we also see the wisdom of God in creation. We read in Psalm 104, verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. And we see the holiness of God revealed in the law. As we read in Leviticus 11, Verse 45, For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy as I am holy. But God has manifest His love nowhere else as He has in the coming of Jesus Christ. We read you best in Him who came to die for our sins as we sang a few minutes ago. God's love is defined And it is manifest in the sending of God the Son to be our Savior and to die for our sins. The Father loves the Son, yet He sends Him into the world to die for our salvation. As we know from John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's love is this, that the Father sent the Son to die for our sins. And the Father sent the Son, as we read here, so that we might live in Him. That we might live through Him. God sent the Son so that our lives might be changed and so that we might not walk in darkness dead in our trespasses and sins, but so that we might live a new life in Christ. As we read in Romans 8, verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God sent the son so that we might be saved and so that we might live through his spirit. And this is the supreme demonstration of divine love. As we read in verse 10 of our passage, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The true nature of love is seen not in our love for God, but in His love for us. Love is not defined by how we love Him but the divine love that God has had 
for us. And this goes back to the very point that we made just a minute ago. Divine love is different from human conceptions of love. True love is defined by God's love toward us. And this is the nature of divine love. That the Father sent the Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We've noted in the past that propitiation means a sacrifice to appease the wrath of God. Propitiation means an appeasement of God's wrath. Because God's wrath is poured out upon the sacrifice rather than upon the one who brings that sacrifice. And Jesus was that propitiation. He was that sacrifice. God's wrath was appeased by being poured out upon Him rather than upon us. When Jesus went to the cross and suffered and died, He took the punishment that sinners deserved. He suffered the wrath of God so that we might not. And the point that is made here is that the Father, God the Father, sent His Son to suffer and to die and to suffer the punishment of the wrath of God for our sins. And this is the love that God the Father has for us. That He sent His only begotten Son to be that sacrifice of propitiation. To be that sacrifice upon which He would pour the wrath of God. This is the love of God the Son. That He became that sacrifice. That He took upon Himself that wrath that was rightfully ours. This is the love of God for us. How glorious is this? This is the beauty and the reality of divine love. God has so loved us that the Father sent the Son to become incarnate and take the wrath that we rightfully deserved. How deep the Father's love for us that He might send His Son to suffer the wrath of God so that we might not. How deep the love of the Son that He might suffer this wrath so that we might not. And what God has done in the cross is show His love toward us. The one who was perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ, sacrificed Himself so that we who were evil might be made righteous. That we who were wicked might live in Him righteously and have eternal life. The Father sent His Son to die as the supreme act of love for His people so that we might be saved. God has given us the great and glorious gift of His love. Consider this. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say the God of the universe, the great I Am, the one who brought all things into being, loves me. If you trust in Christ, you can say the triune God who brought all things into existence has, sent, has poured out His love upon me. If you trust in Christ, you can say Jesus loves me. He has died for me. 
men have great wonder when a famous or a noble person takes an interest in them. How much more so the fact that we have been loved by God the Creator, who is greater than all. And thus, as this is the nature of divine love, how much more then ought we to show love for one another? How should this motivate us as God has so loved us to send the Son, send the Son to die for our sins? How shall we show anything less than love for our brothers and sisters in Christ? As we read in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And this is the third great point of this text. As God has loved us, so also ought we to love one another with His love. As God has loved us by sending the Son to be that sacrifice of propitiation for our sins, so also ought we to show love for our brothers. God has given us the supreme gift of His love. His love is so rich, so magnificent, and that He has given us Christ He has given us salvation and communion with Him. How great the love of the Lord for us. And as God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. God has shown love to miserable sinners, to those who do not deserve anything, to those who were dead in their trespasses and sins. He has shown love to we who were rebels against Him, to those who hated him. As we read in Romans 5, 6-8, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was nothing in us that caused God to love us. There was no goodness in us, no compulsion upon God that He should set His love upon us. And yet, He did so. He loved us when wicked sinners and gave us salvation in Christ. And as God has set His love upon those who are wicked without anything in us with, to cause Him to do so, but simply out of his own good pleasure, so also ought we to show love towards each other, solely on the basis of God's love for us. Our love for others should not be based upon who they are and how they act toward us and upon what they do, but our love for one another should be based upon God's love for us. Christ has died for us, Therefore, we ought to show the love of Christ for one another. And this, this great truth that our love ought to be based upon God's love is such a relief because that means that we can love our brothers and sisters no matter, no matter how they act, no matter how they treat us, because our love isn't based on them. It's based upon God's love for us, which thankfully does not change. If his love for us were dependent upon how we acted, then we would not, never have been loved at all. In the same manner, 
we ought to show love for others because God has loved us, not on the basis of anything else, not on the basis of anything in our brother and sister. And this is not to lessen the reality of things that may come up. This is not to lessen the reality of sins that my brother and sister may commit against me. But it is to place those things in the perspective against the vast and infinite love of God. How strong and how true. But then the apostle makes another significant point about why we ought to love one another. In verse 12, he writes, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. The phrase, no one has ever seen God, at first glance seems somewhat out of place here. It has perplexed scholars for many years as to why John put this phrase right here. Why did John just interject No one has ever seen God when he was talking about love. And the point that John is making is found in the whole verse. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The point that John is making is that yes, no one has seen God. But when we love one another, we manifest the character and the nature of God. When we demonstrate God's love, then that means that God abides in us. That means that God has manifested His nature and His character among us. Love, as we have noted, is a fruit of the Spirit. So when Christians truly love one another, that means that the Holy Spirit is working among us. We cannot see God with eyes of the flesh, but we can have His presence abiding in us as we love one another by the power of His Holy Spirit. And so, again, we may ask, what does this look like when we love one another? What does it look like when we love each other with the love of God? And the Apostle Paul gives a picture of Christian love in 1 Corinthians 13 when he writes verses 4 through 8 love is patient love is kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things. Love never ends. Love is concern for one another and is sacrificial giving up of one's own way for the needs of others. It is giving up our concerns for those of our brother, just as Christ gave himself for us. When we love each other, we seek to manifest the love of God and to show others the love of Christ. When we love each other, we are thus meant to show the character of our Lord Jesus to one another. And thus what we see in this passage is the magnificent love of God manifest. God has sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
God has given us the great salvation from our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in Romans 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And as recipients of this great love, we who are Christians are to abound in this love. This is the great teaching of this passage. God has poured out his infinite love upon us in Christ. And therefore, we who are Christians are called to love one another. This is a simple yet profound truth. As we have received the gift of the love of Christ, so also are we to love others. As the Lord Jesus said in John 15, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is what our Lord Jesus calls us to do as Christians. If you are a Christian, therefore, look to the Lord Jesus and behold the love of God in Christ. Behold there your sins against the holy, infinite God of the universe, forgiven in the cross of Christ. Behold there the great love of God manifest for you in the Lord Jesus. Look to him and therefore go out and love your brother and love your sister in Christ. But if you are not a Christian, you do not have this love. You do not have the love of God. If you are ne- have never trusted in Christ, then you can't say, God loves me. You can't say, Christ has died for me. You do not know that love of Christ. And you do not have his great sacrifice to take away your sins. If you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the only way that you will know God is through his wrath, not through his love. And so I urge you to come to the Lord Jesus. Come to Christ and believe in him. Do you desire to know the love of God? then trust in Christ and know the love of God that is found only through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And thus to all I say, look to Christ. Look to the Lord who is the only propitiation, the only sacrifice for sins. It is only by looking to Him that you will be able to love your brother. It is only by looking to him that you will be saved. It is only in Christ that you will know the love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us therefore look to the Savior and rejoice in his love. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we just thank you and we praise you yet again for this great love that you, the Holy majestic God have poured out upon us in Christ. 
Well, Lord, you had no need to do this. There was no compulsion upon you. And yet you have done it solely because you have willed to do it. We thank you and we praise you for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Bless us this evening, Lord, we pray in his name. Amen.